Welcome to another sermon podcast from Central Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. This episode will feature a sermon delivered by the Rev. Shannon Johnson Kirshner. The sermon is based on scripture from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 and 13 through 18, and 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Central Sunday morning service for the 14th of January, 2024, the second Sunday in Ordinary Time, was streamed to our website, our Facebook page, and our YouTube channel. A complete video or sermon audio replay of this service may be found on cpcatlanta.org. Select the upper right menu, and then Sermons Under Worship. Our next reading is a little different. It is a living epistle. Selections from the letter from a Birmingham jail written by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. For years now, I've heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with a piercing familiarity. This wait has always, almost always meant never. We have waited for more than 340 years for our God-given and constitutional rights. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into an abyss of injustice where they experience the bleakness of corroding despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. I must make two honest confessions to you, my Christian and Jewish brothers. First, I must confess that over the last few years, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in the stride toward freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner, but the white moderate, who is devoted more to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically feels that he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by the myth of time, and who constantly advises the Negro to wait until a, quote, more convenient season. We must come to see that human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and persistent work of men willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. And with that ringing in our ears, we turn again to Hebrew scripture, this time from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Listen for God's living word. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, 
here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go, lie down, and if the Lord calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Holy wisdom, holy word, thanks be to God. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. We might wonder if Samuel knew this about the world in which he lived. Did Samuel know that for the people of Israel, it sure seemed that in those days, God had decided that silence would become God's posture towards God's creation. As Barbara Brown Taylor has reflected about our day, quote, silence has become God's final defense against our idolatry. Yet even if Samuel were not completely attentive to God's silence, not attentive to the rarity of hearing a word from the Lord, not attentive to the scarcity of glimpsing God's vision in that day, surely he knew the reasons behind it. Idolatry, rebelliousness, and injustice. For unfortunately for both young Samuel and his mentor priest Eli, they had all seen that brokenness fully revealed right there in the temple in which they lived. Immediately before this chapter, we learn about the sad state of priest Eli's family, his sons to be exact. According to this biblical narrative, Eli's sons were taking full advantage of their positions in the priestly lineage. Selfishly, they ate the sacrifices meant for God. Horrifyingly, they forced themselves on the women who came to volunteer at the temple. In short, they exploited whatever and whomever they wanted. And even when Eli found out about it and tried to stop these abuses of the priestly office, his sons refused, showed no respect for their father's authority. This extreme arrogance is the context out of which our story for today emerges. In short, Israel is in a state of spiritual desolation, religious corruption, political danger, and social upheaval. So given all that, Surely Samuel was a little aware of the exhausted and lifeless reality draped all around him, strewn even in the temple. After all, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. A friend of mine used to write a blog called Glimpsing God, and one year about this time in January, she wrote about all the suffering she consistently saw all around her, all around God's world. There's so much suffering and meanness in the world, she wrote, that sometimes I feel like the world is on fire and will consume me and all I love. My guess is she's not the only one who's ever felt that way. Reflect on our own cultural environment, January 2024. 
continued war in the Middle East and all of its violence, the continued rise of anger and revenge-fueled politics in our nation, the looming threat of another government shut down regardless of who it hurts, the ongoing shackles of poverty, racism, homelessness, and violence continuing to keep so many in our own community in bondage, the callous or dismissive ways we often treat one another online, in traffic, even face-to-face. In our own day and time, it sure can seem like the world is on fire. It might just consume us all. So even if Samuel did not know the rarity of hearing a word from the Lord, the scarcity of being able to catch a glimpse of God's vision, we might understand that reality. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Strangely enough, though, it was precisely into that mix of seeming God-forsakenness and definite human rebelliousness that God chose to speak. And God chose to speak to Samuel, of all people. Samuel, a boy child. Samuel, a peripheral player in the broken system. Samuel, the one of whom Scripture says did not yet know the Lord. This is the one for whom God chose to bust through the veil of silence and to summon. Samuel, Samuel, the Lord cried. Perhaps God chose Samuel because Samuel had not yet been corrupted by the system itself. He was still young enough, still curious enough to not just assume things had to stay that the way they were, desolate, corrupt, dangerous, rebellious. Or perhaps God chose Samuel because Samuel might not just speak about God, but rather listen to God. Did you catch that? God did not speak God's vision until after Samuel indicated a willingness to listen. Yet it did take a few times for Samuel to get to the listening point. The first three times God called out his name, Samuel, Samuel. He didn't know it was God's voice calling him. Samuel assumed it was Eli. After all, Eli could no longer really see and was becoming quite frail. He often needed help getting from here to there to make out the shapes In the room, he could barely decipher anymore. So Samuel had grown used to Eli needing help, not just in the day, but also in the night. Perhaps Samuel had gotten used to sleeping lightly, awake just enough to hear Eli's voice when he called. It reminds me of how one, quote, sleeps as a new parent, dozing in and out, waiting for those cries of a newborn who's hungry or needing comfort. Maybe after all those years of helping Eli day and night, that's how Samuel had learned to sleep. Yet it was precisely while he was in that state of in-between, the time between full wakefulness and deep slumber when God made God's move. Samuel, Samuel. But we must remember the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. No one had heard from God in a very long time. And because of the exhausted and lifeless reality draped all around, even strewn all around the temple, it not only took Samuel three times to catch on to what was happening, 
But it took Eli three times as well. He could not figure out why in the world Samuel kept interrupting his rest. But when Samuel came back into Eli's room for the third time, asking why Eli had called his name for the third time, Eli started to wake up to what was happening. It must be the Lord. So Eli told Samuel what to do and what to say. If God calls you again, this time stay there. Be ready and willing to listen. For me, this is one of the most moving parts of the entire story. You see this shift of power, but even more than that, you see this partnership begin to emerge. Eli, the one who until then had always been the hearer of God's voice and the seer of God's vision, is helping Samuel, the newbie, the one who had no idea what was happening, yet who was willing to learn from Eli in order to serve. And our respect for Eli might grow even deeper when we learn that the message Samuel will bring back to him the next day is a message about Eli's ministry ending abruptly as a direct result of the abusiveness of his sons. But those words of judgment, those words of God's forging a new creation out of the rubble of the old are still to be heard. Right now, we pause in the night. We pause with Eli and Samuel during their third encounter of confusion. And we watch as Samuel walks back into his room and begins to wait expectantly in that space of in-between, trusting the summoning voice will return. And when it does, Samuel does as Eli had told him to do. He stays where he is and he indicates he's ready to listen. He expects to hear a word from the Lord. Speak. For your servant is listening. And by God's choice, the veil of silence between God and God's people is torn apart once again, and Israel enters into a new phase of its life. Because of the partnership between Samuel and Eli, their faithfulness and expectant listening, God begins to make something new again. After all, even though the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and visions were not widespread, God wasn't done with God's people yet. This particular story is often referred to as a, quote, call story. We talk about it a lot in seminary. And we typically understand it as an example of how God calls individuals into particular ministries. That's certainly a faithful way to exegete the text. As Presbyterians, we believe every single one of us has a vocare, a vocation, calling from God. Some of us are paid for that as our work. Some of us are not. But God is always inviting us each to discover, as the mystic Howard Thurman famously put it, what is it that makes you come alive? That's the place of our call. We certainly see that in this text. But I've also been wondering this week if perhaps we might start to think of this story as a call story for all of us together. For the collective we, known as the Congregation and Friends of Central Presbyterian Church. I've been wondering if we have been summoned to start living like a collective Samuel, reflecting the partnership between Eli and his mentee. Because on this Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, a weekend full of looking back to the freedom movements of our past in order to shed some light on our current day challenges, well, it sure seems like we still live in a time where there is much suffering and meanness on the loose. 
We still abide, make our home in a time when it often feels like the word of the Lord is rare and visions are not widespread. Sure, much has changed since Reverend Dr. King's time, but too much had stayed too close to the same as well. And yet, according to the story, there's something about living in this kind of time. According to our biblical witness, it's always precisely into the mix of seeming God-forsakenness and definite human rebelliousness that God chooses to speak to those who are willing to listen. So what if we as a congregation are called at this time, the time in which it is hard to hear a word from the Lord and God's visions don't seem very widespread. What if we are being called to be Samuel together? Session, deacons, Sunday school teachers, Sunday morning breakfast servers, outreach and advocacy center volunteers, confirmand mentors, ushers, worshipers, choir members, Presbyterian women, young adults. I'm going to stop before I leave someone out. All of us together... All of us together are being invited to expectantly listen for God's call on us as a congregation and for God's vision on who we are to become. And then to tell each other what we are hearing. We are invited to live as a collective Samuel, as a people always sitting on the edge of our bed, determined to stay where we are, just as Central always has, saying, speak Lord, for your servants are listening. But I feel obliged to tell you this kind of Samuel living is going to take an intentional investment of our energy, our time, our resources, our patience, our engagement, and our prayers. Your session is beginning that investment with a visioning retreat in early February. Yet this investment is not just a session activity, it's going to take all of us, people who've been here forever and people who are here for the very first time. We all have a role in helping God shape the future of this congregation, the future of our shared ministry and mission into our city and into our world. It begins with each of us promising to pray daily for this church. And it continues with each of us cultivating a spirit of expectant listening in our lives. For remember, God did not share the vision with Samuel until Samuel demonstrated a willingness to hear it. And so we begin or continue this task, but we also need to remember that this kind of expectant listening is riskier than it might sound. Remember what Samuel had to tell Eli about his ministry coming to a fiery and abrupt end? I'd be lying if I did not admit that I'm a bit nervous about what we might hear from the Lord about our future. For I wonder what God's call for us might ask of us. How vulnerable are we going to have to get? How open to change might we need to become? Again, what risks for justice will we need to take? 
How adaptive and fluid will God ask us to be? I wonder what God has in store for the faithful collective Samuel of Central Presbyterian Church and what God's vision might cost us. When we as a people say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening, what will we hear? And yet, as a people of faith, we don't really have a choice. For we follow a God who's always on the move, who's bound and determined to not let us hunker down in fear or get too comfortable in familiarity. As you heard in the living epistle, the Reverend Dr. King wrote this to the moderate church leaders who were actively avoiding risk. Human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts of people willing to be co-workers with God. I would add for us people who, even in the days when the word of the Lord seems rare and visions are not widespread, are still willing to say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening, and then ready to act on what we hear. Yes, I believe it's time for us to live as a collective Samuel, friends, and to wait and to listen as people who expect, who expect to hear a word from the Lord, who expect to see a vision of who God desires that we become. For God is not done with us yet, and God is still calling Samuel all the time, every single day. So speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And then may God give us the courage we need to follow whatever it is that we hear, despite any cost that it might have. May it be so with us here and now, today. Amen. We are glad you joined us for this podcast from Central Presbyterian Church. Central is a welcoming congregation of the Presbyterian Church USA located in downtown Atlanta across from the state capitol. For more information about the life, work and ministries please visit our website at cpcatlanta.org. We also invite you to join us for worship and Sunday school and experience this exciting and diverse body of believers who seek to be bearers of God's justice in the world. Thanks again for listening.